and welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane. You're, what am I? Oh, I'm your lactation consultant. Oh my God. I forgot who I was for a minute. Who are you? Who are you today? You have one job, Diane. You're a lactation consultant. I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Peanut. Peanut is a social network enabling parents and parents-to-be to meet, chat, and learn from each other. And today's episode is also brought to you by the Family Wellness Summit of 2020, hosted by The Real Crunchy Mama, and Diane and I are also uh, both a part of this. This is a free five-day virtual conference being held all online during January 1st through the 5th, but we'll hear more about the Family Wellness Summit and Peanut later on. But right now, Diane has our review of the week, right? Yes, I do. And this one came to us... um through a message. I know you sent it to me. So I'm thinking it might have been um, like an Instagram or something. So we don't have I think it was Instagram. Yeah, so we don't have her name. But hopefully she's listening and she'll recognize it. And I'll say, I know we are meant to leave reviews on iTunes, but I listen to your podcast on Spotify. I just wanted to let you know, I absolutely love listening to your podcast. I have a nine month old, my second daughter. And we are still going strong. After struggling with my first child, I wanted to have a better experience the second time around, and your podcast has really helped. I had so many misconceptions, and while I don't love breastfeeding, I love seeing my daughter grow and develop all things to me. Yes, we have had our struggles, and there were times where I wanted and thought about giving up, but I listen to your podcast, and it keeps me going. So thank you. This is an amazing review. First of all, that she went to the trouble to like leave it somewhere else, because that was really sweet. But we did a whole episode on not loving breastfeeding, you know, like that's a real thing and that's okay. And she even says here, like, I don't love it, but I love what it's doing for my daughter. And I think that's amazing to recognize that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the big misconceptions about breastfeeding is that, or parenting is that you're going to love a lot of it, you know, or or most of it. Or, and I mean, really that doesn't think about the other aspects of parenting. Like, do you love it? Like, no. All the time? Definitely not. Do you love it most of the time? Maybe some weeks, not even not most of the time. Right. You know? But we love our kids. I mean, like right now, Exley has a new pair of shoes and I want to burn them. <laughs> I want to burn them and throw them off a cliff because one's not tight enough. Uh, the other one's too tight. And it's like it's been going on for days. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't I can't even like function anymore. I'm going to I have to throw myself into traffic. I can't. It's too much. <laughs> But it's like we, but we love our kids, so we do it. And I think you know, like when they're babies, right? And, and we think about the breastfeeding piece, and oh, it's so hard, and oh, you know, like all this stuff, and we just want to throw in the towel. But as they get older, there's always going to be something that your kid is going to do that you are not going to like, that you have to tolerate because it's your child, and that's just the way. Yeah, there's going to be whole aspects of parenting that people just don't like. Yeah, like, I mean, honestly, like babyhood, I didn't like the whole entire thing. Oh, I hate of it. having like this fragile newborn. That was really scary to me. Most of the day, mm-hmm. I felt afraid and, you know, all of that. And, it, you know, that's just, yeah, yeah, it's a very real thing. And I think that that's one of the things that really kind of gets people when you have a baby is you're like, wow, this is like not all the like happiness all the time, you know, that it's kind of like that it was kind of advertised to me as. Right. Right. And then we feel like we're freaks because we don't feel like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you talk about it, people are like, oh, my God, put you in an institution. How can you say yeah. that? Yeah, it's really it's it's really a whole it's a whole thing. So I'm really glad that she yeah. said that because it's yeah, it's true. It's very true. 
Yes. Thank you. So we would love for any reviews. We love them. We love to hear what you love. We love to hear what you don't love. We love to hear, you know, the episodes that you like and how we're helping you because this is really, it's, it makes us feel really, really good to know that somehow our experiences are helping you because that's what it's all about. Really. You know, like it's all about having that village. So, so thank you. And we are going to talk about jaundice today. Diane is really upset about jaundice. I hate it. I hate jaundice. I didn't, wasn't sure what we were going to talk about today. And she texted me yesterday (laughs) and she was like, I can tell you what exactly what she said. She said, I'm holding my phone. She said, um, okay, now I can't. Find <laughs> <it>. <laughs> it was so, oh, I totally want to rant about jaundice tomorrow. Yeah. That was all I said. Yeah. It's all you need to know. It's all you need to know is that I'm going to rant. I was like, all right. Sounds good. Uh, so, I mean, I had, I had a couple of, of moms and babies that I saw this week. One of them was a whole different situation. It wasn't, you know, a couple of them were not jaundice But this other one, so, I mean, first baby, darling family, they, she calls me up. Baby is, you know, two weeks old or something. I can't even remember. I'd have to, I'll have to look because I don't remember if it was exactly two weeks or not. I don't think so. But, um, and was born a couple weeks early. So like 37 and six, I think it was, he was a little boy and jaundice, but he had kind of a, like, so let's talk about what jaundice is. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to say, what is that? Well, let's, let's break it down. What is jaundice anyway? Yeah. So jaundice is the high bilirubin, which is the red blood cells, the broken down red blood cells in the system. Your baby liver function is not where it needs to be at birth. You know, their liver is not processing stuff yet. So that bilirubin causes like yellowing of the skin and we need to get it out of the baby's system. And the way they get it out of their system is by pooping and peeing. It's kind of tricky because jaundice is like, you have to, you have to be feeding well to get rid of it because they need to be pooping and peeing but they're so mm-hmm. sleepy. Jaundice makes babies very, very, very sleepy. Like they're not already, but it does make them very sleepy. So sometimes it's hard to get them to feed well mm-hmm. to get rid of the jaundice. But the other thing with jaundice is that there's some risk factors that make jaundice worse. And because every baby has it a little bit, you know, like every, every baby. I was going to say, I was going to say, cause like people, yeah, it's like something like, like most babies, are jaundice a little? Yeah, absolutely. First, yeah, right? this is a normal, normal thing because I think it's advertised as being like always an emergency, right? You know, jaundice equals oh my god, there's an emergency, right? But actually, it's normal. It is normal because all babies are born with livers that don't function at high speeds. Right. You know, like so right. they're all gonna right. But there are certain risk factors, and like if your baby was a little early, if your baby was late, if your baby has any kind of bruising, like a vacuum extracted delivery or, a, you know, a, sometimes just being born, their heads are bruised, you know, from coming out mm-hmm. that can cause more problems with jaundice because of the blood pooling where the bruising is. Um, 
blood types. So if mom and baby have different, like not coordinated blood types, that can cause more problems with jaundice because their blood types are not compatible. So there's like, there's a lot of different little things that can happen with it. Um, some people, like if you're fa- like some people's whole families, all their kids were jaundice. Like if you're, if your other kids were jaundice, it's a high chance that this one's going to be jaundice. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot that can kind of play into it. So it's not just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, and then there's kind of different kinds of jaundice. So it mm. just really depends, but almost all of them get jaundice to some degree and their skin gets a little yellowy. Um, they're sleepy, you know, the way they test for it is blood test and they're like numbers, you know, like their levels. So if their level mm-hmm. hits a certain number, then they need to go under those lights, those like, mm-hmm. you know, so we call it, we used to call it when I worked in the hospital, like the baby's laying on the beach, you know, cause they'll like have them in these little, <laughs> these little isolates with these UV ray lights on them. And they're just in a diaper with these little sunglass things on. And they're just like laying there. And it like, I don't know what it does, but it gets that jaundice out of their system. So that's only if your baby hits a certain level. Otherwise we just, they just kind of watch it, make sure the baby's eating well, you know, whatever. And it kind of just goes away on its own. Those levels also depend on how old your baby is. So like maybe the level's kind of high, but your baby's four days old. So it's okay. You know, like, so it just really depends on where your baby is with the level and how old they are, how many hours old, like all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of factors that go into it, but bottom line is like, we need babies to eat to get rid of the jaundice. If that's something that we're struggling with. So this particular baby was, he was a little early, which was part of the risk factor. He did have bruising. He wasn't a vacuum or anything like that, a vacuum extraction or anything like that. But he did have bruising because he came down like sideways. So he had bruising on his head, which added to it. And um, he was Coombs positive, which is also something with the blood types. So, so he had like he had more risk, high risk of jaundice, and his levels went up quickly. Mm-hmm. And they ended up having to, you know, put them under lights for whatever reason, probably because of all those little three things combined, it just took him longer to get that jaundice out of his system. So he ended up being under lights Mm -hmm. a little bit longer. So what happens is these families end up being separated from their baby because babies are under lights. And I think they were even discharged, went home and then had to be readmitted again to go under lights again. Mm -hmm. So during this time when babies are under lights, they'll be like, okay, you have 30 minutes to feed them every three hours, 30 minutes, every three hours to feed your baby. And, um, right. And because they are so intense about getting fluid into the baby, once the baby's fed, if mom tries to breastfeed them, then they'll go, but, we just need to make sure that there's enough there. So we're going to also top him off with more stuff. So then they feed him. They kept feeding him more, more volume, more volume, more volume. Mom was really good about, you know, pumping and, and staying on top of it. I think the baby, she said the baby had to have formula like, you know, one day or something like that. But after that, she was pumping a lot so that the baby could just have breast milk and she would try to feed him. But he was so sleepy and not latching well 
because of course also he was early which also plays a role into like not you know really having latch problems when you're early like that so they Mm -hmm. as soon as he was born they gave her a nipple shield so she was never really like you know she's trying to breastfeed him and they're like well you only have a few minutes and trying to do as much as she can and she kept telling them like i really want to breastfeed him i really really want to breastfeed him and they were like oh okay 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 but bottom line was they're like well we need to get more fluid into him so we just need to give him more and just kept like giving him more and more and more and more so she calls they finally discharge they finally get you know free of there and she calls me for help because she wants to she's like i want to breastfeed him and we're really kind of in this bottle funk because he he had to be bottle fed the majority of the time because he needed that he needed to eat and they weren't sure what was happening when he was latched like okay she's like and it was kind of heartbreaking because she goes is it a lost cause and I go, no, not even a little bit, you know, like not, he's a week and a half old or whatever. I was like, not even a little bit, not even a little bit. We just have to see what's going on. You know, so I go over there and she had like, you know, so she is nursing him, pumping, and then giving him milk on top of it because that's what they told her to do. And he was still a little bit yellow, but not to the point where he needed more treatment. So her pediatrician kept telling her, keep doing this because this is what he needs. So here he is a week and a half old. She's breastfeeding him and then giving him two to three ounces by bottle after that, because that is what they told her he needs. Wow. And I go, I I don't understand. Like, I don't understand why he's, he's not at risk anymore. So why do we need to do this? And she goes, I don't know. And that's what I said to them. Why do I still need to do this? And they said, this is what you have to do. Keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, but I don't understand. <laughs> like, he's, I don't understand. You know, like, I, I get it, but I don't get it. Like, I, I get their point. Yes, they don't want this baby to be at risk of any kind of harm. However, they discharged him from the hospital and said, he is fine now. So why do we need to continue to overfeed him right? when he is not at risk anymore? Well, and then is, is that supposed to go on forever? Right. Like, that's the problem. I feel like that's the big problem with hospitals is that you're told to leave and to just keep doing what you're doing with no plan, no direction on what to do like tomorrow or how to change kind of what what intervention they started in the hospital it's just like okay just go just keep doing what you're doing that's what they say keep doing what you're doing what you're doing and she's forever no it's ridiculous and she kept saying that but i really want to breastfeed and she said that at at one point like when they finally were getting ready to discharge them they were like well i know you want to breastfeed but this is probably just how it's gonna have to be and i was like but why why (laughs) I don't, I don't get that. Like that is. Cause they don't know. They don't know anything about breastfeeding. It's unbelievable though. You have a mother that is completely working so hard to advocate for herself and her child. And they're like, sorry, we just need to keep feeding him. And what you're doing isn't enough. So, and she, you know, how devastating it was. She's there 
and they're like, okay, you have 30 minutes. And she would try to nurse him. Of course, he's not doing much because 30 minutes in the first week of the baby's life. Come on. What do you, it takes that long to get him latched half the time, you know, like they're, it, it's just, it's not enough. And then you have that, you know, that they're like breathing down your neck and about ready to take that baby back and put him back under the lights again. And I said, you know what? Sometimes it's just easier to just do skin to skin with him for 30 minutes and not worry about the feed piece because they're going to give him a bottle anyway. So it's like, what do you do? What's the right thing? And the communication between staff and parents, and I hear this time and time and time again, communication between staff and parents is so limited that the parents don't know what is going on. And mom keeps saying, like she kept telling me, which is the same stuff that I've heard a million times that the staff in the special care nursery would say things like, if you want your baby to go home with you, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to give bottles. You're going to have to give formula. If you you want your baby to do that, you know, then she wanted to stay with them. They'd be like, go home, go home and get some sleep. You need to go home and get some sleep. Your baby's fine. Like that is not the way you talk to new parents. No. Right. That are separated from their baby. So now they send them home. She's got this baby that's eating twice as much as what he's supposed to be eating. She doesn't know his cues because they've been separated for a week and she wants to just breastfeed him, but doesn't know how to get there because she's never been encouraged to do that. And she's never been told, yes, you can do this. And this is what's normal. And this is what's not normal. How do you go? And it's so hard because I can't imagine going from bottle feeding your baby because there's a health issue and being separated to trusting the breastfeeding when obviously everybody around you wasn't trusting it to start. Right. Right. I mean, and he, we got him latched and he did great. And you know, like he did, he did great. And one of the things that she said was, well, he still seems really hungry afterwards. I said, okay, let's, you know, let's see what's going on. Cause if, you know, the cues and things like that, trying to figure out the cues are really hard. So she you know, she, we get him fed. He went on, he, we, he went on without the, the nipple shield. He did great, you know, sucking, swallowing, transferred like an ounce of milk pretty easily. I'm like that is appropriate for his age. I wouldn't think he would need more than that. She's like, but should I give him more? Should I, you know, should I give him more? Because usually if I get him, you know, after he eats at the breast, if I just, you know, change his diaper, get him swaddled back up, then and put him down, then, you know, he starts rooting again. So that's when I give him a bottle because I figure he's still hungry and he hasn't had enough. Cause they told me if he's rooting, give him more food. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, well, what, what do you do? Like, show me what happens. So she, you know, she got him settled, got him dressed again, put him in his little swaddle and then put him in the little bassinet thing that is um, on top of the pack and play. And I go, now what do you usually do? And he's wide awake. I go, what do you usually do? And she goes, well, now I'll like go and like do my dishes or, you know, like do stuff. And then he starts crying and fussing and rooting. So he needs more. I go, he wants to be with you. Like that has nothing to do. Like he baby carrier, right? Like she puts him down. Like, cause she's probably thinking that, cause that's what they were doing in the hospital. They feed him and put him back yeah, in the right, thing. Right. Put him back in the box. Right. Yep. So I was like, no, he's like, he doesn't want to get carried away by a bear. Like, he needs you. He, he, there's <laughs> like, he, if you, so she like picked him up and, you know, took him with her and she sat on the couch and held him while we talked. And he was like out, totally content. Uh, didn't it? And she's uh-huh. like, this is not usually what he does. I go, 
he plus you guys have to make up for a lot of lost time like he he needs to be with you he wasn't even to his due date yet like that's how early yeah, he, you oh, know like yeah. he needs to be with you he needs that so he is going to show you more cues he is going to need more comforting he is going to need more security he is going to need more support because you were separated and he was a little bit early he's supposed to still be in the womb so yeah. Like, this is just going to be more like of you telling yourself, this is okay, this is normal. But he doesn't, he doesn't need more food necessarily. You know, like, that's enough. I said that when you get into that overfeeding piece, that's where we run into problems. And she was like, well, right, I don't want to overfeed him. And I also, this is exhausting, just pumping all the time. And I'm like, I, I know, and it's not necessary. Like, th that is not sustainable. When they have a, a mom, a new mother trying to recover from childbirth, trying to get used to having a new baby at home, having the trauma of being in the hospital for a week and not knowing what's going on. And then she's feeding, pumping, supplementing, feeding, pumping, supplementing, you know, like that's, she goes, and then I, I, I do it all again, you know, an hour later. Like that's, you can't, that's not sustainable. And for doctors, offices, pediatricians, nurseries, whatever, to look at these moms and say, oh, yeah, this is what you need to do. This is how it should be. No, no, that's not, that's not how it should be. This child was dis discharged from the hospital. Why, why do we still need to do that with him? Well, right. Yeah, and, the, and you don't. And it's like that's when the hospital, I think when the baby is done, the baby's, you know, the intervention work, the baby's ready to go home. They're just like, it's not my problem anymore. Right. Just go home. It's the same thing after you give birth. Ugh. Even if there are no problems. Just like, just go. Have uh, goodbye. See ya. Good luck to you. You know, there's no like, there's no directions. There's no like, you know, it's like, okay, so this is what you can expect in the next week. And I understand you can't prepare me all the way till my kid goes to college. But maybe to like, you know, to know what to expect in the next couple of weeks, maybe a couple of phone numbers that I can call if there's a problem. Right. There's like nothing. nothing. There's like not even like one thing. There's not even just like, a, you know, a bad plan that you're sent <laughs> home with. There's just like nothing. <laughs> so I will tell you what happened with this mama after we hear from our sponsors. <laughs> yes. Okay. Today's episode is sponsored by Peanut. When I had my first child, I didn't know anyone who had a baby. Breastfeeding was going horribly, and I felt all alone. I searched the internet for answers, but the information was conflicting, like we're talking about. I didn't have anyone to ask about their experiences or watch what they're doing. When I found just a few like-minded moms, my experience totally changed. I felt empowered to parent the way that it felt right to me. This is why I want to share Peanut with you guys. Peanut is an app to meet like-minded moms in your area, chat, and share advice. It's free to download in the app stores. It's easy to use, and it could be your ticket to finding freedom as a new mom. Peanut is designed to connect people based on similar interests, age, mutual friends, and more. Similar to a dating app, you simply swipe to send a wave. The community feature allows you to create and join groups such as single moms, LGBTQ, or Brooklyn moms. So head to your app store and download Peanut for free and start connecting with like-minded moms in your area. And today's episode is also brought to you by the Family Wellness Summit 2020. We are really excited to be a part um, of this Family Wellness Summit. Diane and I are both a part of it. 
It is hosted by The Real Crunchy Mama. You can follow her on Instagram. This free five-day virtual conference is being held all online, January 1st through the 5th, meaning you can watch it from anywhere, anytime, on any device. The summit is geared towards anyone interested in living a more natural lifestyle, and they have nearly 40 amazing presenters, including doctors, educators like us, and world leaders in holistic modalities, natural remedies, and family health care. Some topics include breastfeeding, midwifery, chiropractic care, homeopathy, herbal remedies, and much more. Registration has already begun for the free pass. And you can also order pre-order an all-access pass for $89. That's a great deal that gives you access to all the videos for one year, plus extra videos, um, downloads, bonus videos, discounts, coupons, and special discounted packages created for all-access pass holders. You guys are not going to want to miss this. So if you are a natural newbie or just crunchy curious or already a holistic mama, go to familywellnesssummit2020.com and register today. That's familywellnesssummit2020.com. Register today. And today's sponsors and their promo codes can all be found at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com along with our breastfeeding resources, all of our other episodes, and information about scheduling your lactation consultation with Diane, just like this mama yes. did. So one of the things I wanted to be sure that she knew was that newborns typically don't eat every three hours around the clock, right? We know that. So that's right. how they had her set up, and that's pretty much what she was doing. So I was like, you know what? With just breastfeeding, expect him to want to eat more frequently. Like That doesn't mean he's not getting enough. That just means that's normal, and he wants to eat more frequently because that's what newborns do. So she really had to change her whole mindset of, okay, what I've been doing for the last week and a half is now completely different if I want to just breastfeed him. And it's, yeah. and the, and they're used to seeing what's going into him and they were focusing so much, you know, the hospital staff's focusing on make sure he gets fluid, make sure he gets fluid, make sure he gets fluid. So now they're going from that to trusting that the baby's eating. And that's really hard to do yeah. when you're coming from that kind of a place. So, you know, doing a lot of talking with her about, you know, expect him to eat more frequently, expect that he's going to, you know, maybe be a little bit more fussy. We talked about the normal fussiness, what to expect with that, the growth spurts, all that kind of thing that come up. But she was like, this is what I want. And I kept telling them that. And they just kept like disregarding it. She goes, they kept saying, oh, yeah, of course, you want a breastfeed here. We'll call lactation to come in and see you. She goes, but overall, they really weren't supporting it. So when I checked back in with her, you know, I did, we did our visit and then, you know, a day or two went by and I checked in to see how they were doing. And she said they were just, you know, just breastfeeding. She had gone to the pediatrician for a regular checkup. His weight was up. Like he's doing great. He's doing great. And she is just oh, doing that's the so breast, awesome. you know, it is, it's amazing. But of course she's got like, sometimes he's really fussy and seems to want to go back on. And I'm like, well, you know what? Like he's, and he just hit his due date like this week. So I go, you know, he could just be really still tired, not finishing. We just keep, you know, this is going to get better. This is not how he's going to be. He's going to get stronger. It's going to get to where he's going to, you know, figure it out and eat and be done. And, you know, but he needs a lot of that comfort still, but she was so disconnected from that because of their experience to start. And that is a really, really hard. I find that when, you know, with jaundice babies, 
they are really difficult to feed because of the sleepiness and, you know, the pressure of like getting fluid into them so that they can get rid of the jaundice. But I also find it's really hard because it really isn't explained to parents very well. And I think it's one of those situations where, okay, it's not like, oh my gosh, you know, your baby is so sick. Like some of these babies that are born that are really, you know, really sick. This is just one of these like Mm -hmm. bumps in the road that they need to get past, but it's never really explained well to parents. And it's never. No, it's, it's not. not. And it's never. It's always presented like it's an it emergency. It is. Yeah. It always is. And I, it's just it's it. It's like the it's like the doctors themselves don't understand. Like, don't you think that they would start to understand that it's normal when like every single baby they see is jaundice? <laughs> like, you know, they start to be like, huh, actually, maybe this is a normal thing that a baby goes through when they're first born. Yeah. You know, obviously it can turn into an emergency, but it's not. It's a normal thing that goes on. I mean, I, I think the same thing happened in the hospital with me. I mean, they were made, turning every single thing that happened to him into an emergency. Oh, yeah. um, so you're like, you're just so on high alert. It's hard to come down from that when you're on, like, when you're just so, you're so in, like, fight or flight yeah. for, for, you know, about your newborn you can't just like come home and then just like come down from that. It's really hard. It is really hard to change that to mindset. not be in that tr- in that trauma. Oh my gosh! And it is the other thing I don't understand about the jaundice piece is all the doctors do something different. Like, well, not do something different, but I have. Oh yeah. Like I've worked with a pediatrician who is very kind of relaxed about it and is like, you know what? Right now. You know, he's the the blood types. You don't have. You know, on you don't have. Um, you know, battling blood types. There's no real risk factor here. Yes, your baby looks yellow. Let's just feed. Make sure he's having wet diapers. If it gets, you know, if it really, if he really looks more yellow to you, come back. But I think it's fine. We're not going to worry about it. And then you have some that are like, oh my God, the hospital said his levels were a little high. Let's still continue. And I've had mothers who were like, had to go back and get blood tests for their babies every single day for days after discharge. So it's like, okay, you've got some pediatricians well, who are like, try- it's fine. And some pediatricians that are like, oh my gosh, he's still a little yellow. You're still going to have to go get blood tests done. But come on, really? And let's be clear. They charge money and make money on every single test they give mm-hmm. you. So it's in their best interest to be giving every single test that they can. So like bottom line, you know, like if you're, if they tell you like, Oh, yeah, your baby needs, I could see, okay, they're in the hospital, they're under lights, we want to make sure they're super sleepy, we want to make sure we get fluid into them, we're giving them an extra bottle, fine. You discharge, they say he's fine, his levels are fine, his weight was over birth weight, I think, when they left the hospital, which is crazy. So, and they tell you, yes, this is still what you have to do. Don't be afraid to ask the question, why? Why do we still need to do this? Uh-huh. Why do I still need to give him this level of, of, of feeding? Why can't I just breastfeed him? Why do we still need to do that? Like, you can ask all the questions you want. This is your baby. And definitely ask the questions. If you feel like it's not setting right with you, say something. Seriously. Because they, for whatever reason, don't think to give you the information on their own. This is what they do every single day. They see it every single day. They don't think, they think that you know exactly what's going on. You don't. No. It's crazy. It's such a, when I had Exley at home, the midwife, she was like, she's about to leave. And she's like, yeah, um, he looks a little, little, little uh, yellow, stand in the window. Yeah. Yeah. 
And they'll tell you that, like, yeah, because that's pretty much like the UV lights that they get, put them under, yeah. So just, yeah, put them in the sun. It's, oh. And then she left. I mean, they're, you know, it's a normal thing. Right. And once their liver function kicks in, which is usually like day five, that's those first five days is where you're going to get a higher jaundice, you know, where things are going to be happening because their liver function is not kicking in yet. After that fifth day, things are starting to work a little bit better. But, you know, and, and there is like, people say, oh my gosh, there's a risk of brain damage if the, you know, jaundice isn't treated. It's like, that's a really, really, really extreme situation. But they tell parents that, like, it can happen every day. Well, that's the thing. That's the danger, right? Of a really emergency, very extremely rare case of jaundice, right? right. That's the, extremely that's the, rare. But jaundice itself is normal. Yeah. Jaundice itself is normal. And most baby, you know, the chances are your baby's going to go through that, right? And you know, there's a lot of things that are normal that obviously, if bad things happen, you know, it causes an emergency. Right. We could think of a zillion things. But we, We've really, like, we have really taken this word and turned it every, every single case is abnormal and it's an emergency. It's crazy. That really, it they is. did this to, my mother-in-law still talks about this, how they were like, you know, my husband, he was really yellow and they're like, oh, you can't, you have to stop breastfeeding. You have to give him formula. Like, you know, they told her that it was like this big thing and that he wasn't going to get better unless she gave him formula. It's like, Why? That's that's know. ridiculous. Yeah, she's still mad about it. She's like eighty nine. <laughs> she's mad. I yeah, like I. She's not eighty nine. I think she's like seventy eight. It's crazy. Um, it, 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 yeah, she, she yeah, and and that's the thing is that when you people are like, oh, this is just you know the people in the hospital are like us normals, our normal day stuff. We're just going through this. Got to do this test, that test. Not taking into account the trauma they're causing in these people. That by the way will last. For 70 years or right. the rest That'll of That'll last longer than the jaundice. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like, and we talked, like, when I went to that little attachment conference, that random yeah. older couple that started talking to me, and they're like, oh, all our kids were breastfed, except for Leonard, because he had uh-huh. jaundice. Like, and they're right. like, those people were, like, <laughs> yeah. in the old folks' home. They were in assisted living yep. telling me about this. And they're still mad right. about that. Like, yep. it, it really is crazy. And what it comes down to is if you have a situation where – they tell you we need to give the baby formula. We need to give the baby formula to get rid of the jaundice. That doesn't mean they need to give formula forever. If they need to give bottles, whether it's formula or breast milk or whatever, and they say the baby can't breastfeed, we need to put them under the lights. We need to do this, that, the other thing. That does not mean forever. That means that period of time until that is taken care of. And then we will go back to the breastfeeding. You can do that. But they're not going to tell you that. They're not going to help you go back to the breastfeeding. They are not going to help you do that. And I told this mom that. I said, their job is to make sure your baby gets out alive, which, thank God, we do need that. But they are not there to foster a breastfeeding relationship. They are not there to make sure that you're bonding with your baby. They should be, but they're not. But they're not, right. So they're going to be like, oh, yeah, sorry, I guess you can't breastfeed because they're like, oh, we gave bottles. Yeah, your baby's never going to go back to the breast again, which is crap. Yep. They will. And you just need to call somebody to help you to get back into the right mindset that you want to be in. But if this is what you want, then this is what we need to make happen. I mean, it's just right. bottom line. It, it is never a lost right. cause. And then you have to call a lactation consultant right. because they're not – no one there is going to help you. They don't – and none of them know anything about 
going back to the breast. But could you imagine like you're finally home with your baby after days of like back and forth and not sure what's going on and, you know, not being able to feed the way you want to. And then, you know, if you call a stranger to come help you and you're like, well, is this a lost cause now? Like that's heartbreaking. That's what she wanted to do with her baby. That's exactly and she feels how like they framed can't. it to her. Right. Exactly. And it's so wrong. Oh, makes me crazy. And then nobody thought to be like, oh, call a lactation consultant. You know, like they gave I feel her like why? I feel like that's the one person you need in your life when right. you just had a baby. Right. That's the one thing that should be like the main support yeah. and focus. Exactly. Make sure you have one if of that's these what people. You want. Know who they are. Know when to call them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that is my rant on jaundice for the most part. There's more, <laughs> but we can't. Yeah. That was very informative. Yeah. We can't like, <laughs> you know, we don't want to over get you guys crazy um <laughs> but we definitely wanted to talk about that today somebody out like somebody did send us a review one day and asked about doing one on jaundice so it was overdue we definitely needed to do one on jaundice but yeah that's a really yeah, big one it is so let us know if you have questions or concerns or anything like that we'd love to hear your story yes thanks for Thank listening you. bye bye <laughs>